0: Hello and welcome to the Roads to Adipec by Energy Voice brought to you by DMG Events. The UAE will be at the heart of the global dialogue on the future of energy as policymakers and energy leaders from around the world gather in Abu Dhabi from the 31st of October to the 3rd of November 2022 for Adipec, the world's most influential forum for the energy industry. I'm Ed Reed, an editor at Energy Voice, and I'm joined today by Sophie Hildebrand, CTO of ADNOC, and Martha Vasquez, partner and associate director at Boston Consulting Group. This series is going to feature a number of interviews with the big thinkers of energy as we head towards Adepec, and, and, and today we're going to be drilling down into the question of decarbonisation in the value chain through innovation. I think decarbonisation is a topic that we come back to again and again in this series. I, I think it's really at the heart of the energy industry's thoughts around the future. We can see climate change and the need to cut emissions, but we can also see a need to provide energy to the seven billion or so people who live in the world. And the only way for the hydrocarbon industry to argue for its part in the world is, is really through decarbonisation. There are ways to cut emissions through the value chain that we already know, but we must also work to find new ways to solve old problems. Well, the problems we're looking at are necessarily local. Technologies are global and can be transferred around the world, and, and of course, we're trying to save that same global problem. Innovation has tended to suffer in periods of low prices as companies focus on survival and making ends meet rather than on research. But with oil and gas prices now stronger and perhaps a little more certainty over the longer term need for hydrocarbons, it's important that we act now on decarbonisation. Sophie, I'm going to start with you. Should innovation be a question of of new technologies or or maybe moving existing processes into more efficient means?
1: So I think we need to think about this in terms of not only brand new technologies but enhancing existing ones any or organization that's really serious about innovation is going to have to do both and across Adnoc, we're focused on doing both so we have an active team developing new innovations we're partnering with some of the best in the world regarding all sorts of different topics whether it's machine learning quantum computing blockchain-based ledgers These are all innovations that have been built up in certain industries and can be transferred into others. By the same token, we're also looking at ways that will make every single one of our processes more efficient so that we can increase both value but also sustainability in the UAE. In the last five years, we've achieved a 15% savings in energy expenditure and an aim to achieve another 5% within the next three years. So I think we need to look at innovation as both making everything more efficient um, and being open to how we do all of our processes and make them efficient and change the processes as technology allows us to have a new process that allows us to move further, faster. I think that's a a way to be thinking about it. Last month, uh, ADNOC completed a $600 million waste heat recovery project at our power plant that serves the downstream industrial complex in Roex. This project is recycling heat that would have otherwise been wasted. So that heat recycling is generating 230 megawatts of electricity and over 60 million cubic meters of distilled water a day. You should be able to find a video explaining more on the AdNoc LinkedIn page on this project over the next few days leading up into data. Fantastic.
0: I I suppose, you know, looking at that kind of question around around sort of decarbonization, and and you kind of clearly see it as kind of key for AdNoc's continued role, but why do you think decarbonization should be a goal of innovation? So let
1: me talk about why we innovate, which is kind of going to help answer that question. We innovate to maintain our position as a reliable provider of energy products. We also innovate to decarbonize solutions across all of our operations. So innovation helps us decarbonize. So we're also supporting decarbonization in hard to abate sectors such as the steel industry. We aspire to be an energy transition partner of choice. Technological innovation is also really important to ensuring health and safety of all of our employees, which is a primary concern across all of the energy sector. Innovations in robotics and drone technologies, they're fantastic. They help keep our workers away from difficult, potentially dangerous environments. So innovation helps from a health and safety standpoint. Finally, technology helps us to ensure good governance and sustainable operations by facilitating data-driven decision-making and performance. So the UAE was the first country in the Middle East to proactively set a net zero target. Now, at the same time, we can see across the world, humanity is absolutely in need of reliable, accessible, affordable energy as I see it, innovation is probably the only workable way in which we can kind of meet these dual commitments and, and challenges that the world has.
0: Martha, I'm, I'm going to bring you in at this point. I mean, I think Sophie's, you know, said some really interesting things there about, I mean, blockchain, you know, robotics, AI. This is uh, this, this this all sounds like uh, really fun stuff. But what do you think the most interesting area for, for, for decarbonization is?
2: Thank you, Ed. And to complement uh, Sophie's point, I think ultimately we need both um, to invest in something new and to invest in making what we do today more efficient with a purpose to satisfy the, the trilemma that we have. We need energy to be affordable, sustainable, and with security of supply for every country. Now, go, going back to your to your question of what are the most, uh, did you say the most interesting areas in decarbonization carbonization?
0: Yeah, 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 interesting.
2: Now, n- naturally, I, I have been in energy for the last 20 years. I think is one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting industry to be at, and especially at this moment. Um, I think there are, I, I thought about at least four areas. And the first one, I think we have a huge opportunity, and this is a big challenge, for a lot of our clients is to deploy at scale everything that is already mature in many times proven and cost effective. How do we make sure that I actually replicate this across my facilities, across my business units, across my portfolio? By itself, that is, I find that super interesting. Second, building on what you're saying, Sophie, I think also, especially for the younger generations, it is super exciting moment to build from scratch completely new value chains that didn't exist before. Another very interesting area is accelerating the development and bringing the cost down for the new technologies. A lot of net zero roadmaps that we see have a big component of carbon capture and the low climate impact fuels like hydrogen. We really are betting and counting on these technologies to come down in cost. And that is that is another area of research and development that makes it very interesting. But possibly one very radically different area is policy making. And I think the um, Inflation Act in the US very recently is an example of how we can actually take it to a level that, I don't know, five years ago was unimaginable. And I think that is an increasing area of focus, especially for developing countries, because unless we bring the developing countries along, we won't move at pace for
0: our net zero target? I mean, I, I think that's that's a really interesting question, Matthew, and, and I think it's one of those kind of themes that we've sort of seen crop up quite a lot in, in this series, is that kind of question around... Obviously, people in Europe think about energy uh, and that sort of trilemma that you've raised in very different ways to people in, say, sub-Saharan Africa. How do you think different regions can can tackle this sort of same global challenge? Right. I mean, I think we're, we're obviously all sort of facing this challenge around around uh, carbon emissions and, and and obviously you know climate change is a global problem. But how do we how do we tackle this same problem in in different in different regions?
2: So I think an angle or if a framework to look at to look at it from is, I would say, technology, policy, and market. And I think the technology, Sophie, I will refer to you later, you can expand, I think, as to how how you are doing that successfully. But I think it's a huge opportunity to take proven technologies to developing nations. And even within developing nations, uh, I think there is opportunity to really increase the penetration. So that is one thing. Second, policy, I think we can learn from the countries that are more advanced in the way they incentivize the low-carbon choices, but also the way that they enable the implementation of the low-carbon choices. And it is quite important that we demonstrate it works, and then we're able to engage with the governments of the countries that are not there yet, and, and we're able to transfer the lessons. And Third, um, I think um, when it comes to the market, and I think this comes to the individual responsibility of the shareholders, of the employees to continue to choose the, uh, the, the companies that are you know, in compliance with the Paris Agreement and uh, the push of the society. I think creating an environment where, this, where we hear the societal pressure and
1: respond to that is also an important force. I think um, hydrogen is a great topic. To touch on with, with what we're talking about here. So, when Martha talks about the market, hydrogen has been around as a fuel for quite some time. But ADNOC has been early pioneers in, in exploring hydrogen. We currently produce over 300,000 tons of hydrogen a year. Mainly for industrial purposes in our downstream facilities. But we're developing a world scale million ton a year low carbon ammonia facility at the Taziz Industrial um, and Chemicals Hub in Rowace, which is targeted to start up, I believe it's in 2025. But this summer, we completed a proof of concept hydrogen shipments to multiple countries. I think it was Japan, Korea, South Korea, and Germany using ammonia as a fuel. And the reason why this is important is because all sorts of industries and customers need to look at how can I transition into these new fuels. And so we need to provide test cargos to allow them to test equipment, see how things are going to work because all of our existing energy supply is, is working um, made on the products that we have today, how our in, entire energy system is built up, off of oil and gas. And as we transition to new fuels, it takes time. We need to re qualify equipment and our customers need to do the same thing as well. So, hydrogen is an interesting topic.
0: And, Sophie, I mean, given AdNox plans to, to ramp up its uh, hydrocarbons production, obviously with that sort of uh, 2030 target of, say, 5 million barrels per day of oil, what role does decarbonization play in, in those expansion plans?
1: That's a good question. So, how do we decarbonize while well, also increasing production? As I said earlier, the world needs reliable, affordable, and, and sustainable energy products. So the current lack of affordable energy has led to fuel protests across, I think it's 90 countries since January 2021. But fuels supplied by ADNOC have among the lowest in car- carbon intensity in the industry. Uh, we maintain this low carbon intensity position across numerous external benchmarks, uh, people like Rystad Energy, uh, Platts, Wood Mackenzie—they've all benchmarked us as as low carbon intensity energy, uh, and we continue to decarbonize our operations. So we want to take take advantage of the opportunities presented by the energy transition, and and you know we really feel that natural gas is an important bridging fuel. So that's number one. Um, our gas investments are helping us develop an emerging clean and h- clean hydrogen ecosystem to support deeper decarbonization in the future. Um, when combined with carbon capture, natural gas can be used to pre- produce clean hydrogen. And, um, you know, we can utilize hydrogen to run boilers and 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 all sorts of other equipment that are currently running off of. Of natural gas today, but again, we need to be—we need to um, ensure that our, all of our equipment and our machinery—it's all qualified to run on a new fuel. So that's important. Um, we have plans to significantly grow our hydrogen production in support of the UAE's ambition to supply twenty-five percent of the hydrogen ama- demand in key global markets, and. As I said earlier, we've shipped low-carbon blue ammonia cargoes to customers in Japan, South Korea, and Germany. So we're helping not only ADNOC explore new markets, but our customers need to have these cargoes now so that they can also understand, are they going to be able to run their equipment um, and utilize the the low-carbon energy that we're going to be producing moving forward? So I think... You can contrast this situation to what's happened, I would say, in parts of Europe and Asia, where we've actually seen coal coming back online in the last year. And so we want to we want to make sure that we're lowering the energy intensity of all of our fuels moving forward.
0: Okay, fantastic. I think we're going to take a short break uh, and we'll be right back. ADPEC, the Abu Dhabi International Energy Exhibition and Conference.
1: The world's most influential gathering of the energy industry. From the 31st of October to the 3rd of November.
0: Marta, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to you. Sophie's mentioned how uh, the, the the UAE has sort of set a, a net zero target, and I think that was you know quite significant last year, wasn't it? And I think you know obviously there is this sort of feeling that uh, that, that countries and, and companies are sort of moving in this direction. How important do you think it is to have a net zero target?
2: I believe. And I think it is the, the consensus of people around me in the decarbonization world that it is absolutely essential for at least three reasons. The first one is that um, all, all relevant stakeholders care from shareholders, investors, employees, regulators, and society. And we recently ran once again an investor survey of around 250 250. Uh, people who answer this annually. And what we learned is that 80% of the investors believe that it is important for companies to establish the long term decarbonization targets. 60% of the investors also believe that companies need to have a scope one and a scope two net zero targets. More than 50% believe that we should be addressing with our strategies and targets scope three emissions. And also, Actually, whenever we ask them relative to last year, how much pressure do you have to divest your fossil fuel investments? We have an increase of 7%. So 7% more investors this year versus last year feel increasing pressure to, to, uh, to divest from the fossil fuel investment. So I think it is quite clear there is a call from the shareholder community. Second, at least in all the decarbonization work that we do, And we do work in both front-set. First, helping set and underpin the target, but also make sure that it happens in reality, right? We can only align the organization and make clear what it is, you know, the extent of the gap and the extent of the challenge when we put a target that we have to aspire to. And finally, unless we have a target, it is impossible to measure starting point and the impact of the effort to decarbonize, and then how far we are from achieving this collectively as an industry. So I really think it's absolutely fundamental and the starting point.
0: Uh, and then I, I suppose you know. So obviously, sort of broadening that question to to, to look at sort of ESG, uh, which obviously has really kind of come to uh, have something of a moment in the last couple of years, hasn't it? And I think we, we have seen pressure on, on on ESG metrics. I think you know, particularly sort of emission side, which I think is probably a bit sort of easier, maybe to kind of calculate than 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 the uh, than the S and the G. How important do you think that is for companies? I mean, do you think do you think that companies are making decisions looking at all three of those metrics is it is it is it on emissions alone how do you think it informs companies plans
2: so first of all whenever we refresh the es the esg strategy of a, of a company um, the the natural process at is to look at it from the triangles right the e the s and the g the three matter relatively as much and a step number 1 is understand what Matters to the multiple stakeholders that we have internally and externally. So, what one of the lessons is that whenever we do the refresh today and we look back to last time we did the exercise with the same company three years ago, we realize that there is a huge shift into how much decarbonization matters. Okay, so decarbonization matters much more today than before for multiple stakeholders. So, that already helps shape The action plan behind the ESG strategy of a company. Okay, hope hope this starts to answer, but possibly another angle is that ESG performance, we know it is increasingly a metric that investors look into whenever they decide how to allocate capital. So once again, that is another that is another measure. And third, um, there is multiple multiple benefits of an ESG strategy that is you know, specific on decarbonization targets. But um, we know that um, it goes beyond, uh, beyond simply the impact on the planet. Uh, I think it is easier to get access to certain sources of capital, like uh, the green bonds. It is easier to attract and retain the top talent, especially the younger generation. Um, it is many times you actually make money. Right, with many of the decarbonization initiatives that you decide to go for. And uh, I believe that even in oil and gas, uh, I think 50% of the initiatives can be actually value accretive. Right, you, they pay back just because you are able to monetize the gas that you would otherwise flare, for example. Right, and I think the percentage of, of the decarbonization initiatives that, that, uh, that come at a net zero cost is even much higher for other industries like the food industry or the automotive industry
0: yeah absolutely absolutely uh, and sophie i mean we, we we've talked a little bit about sort of technology transfer and and, and, and some of those issues I mean obviously we we're, we're moving towards ADIPEC and, and it, uh, you know it's 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 coming up increasingly fast I, I hope uh, everyone's uh, getting ready for that but what do you think we should watch out for at, uh, at ADIPEC around decarbonization and the value chain
1: yeah so I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't say too much at this stage, but Adnoc definitely has some big announcements in store. Another group within technology is set to announce the piloting of blockchain technologies to account for carbon intensity across our value chain, it'll shine a light on digital spotlight into the whole production process, allowing for customers to receive digital certificates that detail carbon intensity of their products. Um, Obviously, I can't divulge everything ahead of ADPEC. If you're in the UAE the first week of November, make sure you head down to the Abu Dhabi National Exhibition Center for yourself. I'm really looking forward to visiting. And I know that so many of the companies are displaying their great innovations. But I think, you know, to build on what Martha was just talking about here, we all have wonderful engineers and scientists. And when you start putting ESG metrics in place for companies, and we ask those engineers to focus on more, more metrics than maybe they've traditionally been focusing on, we create solutions, and that's a good thing.
0: Absolutely, and, and, and Marta, any, any any particular hopes for uh, for, for Adipec? Anything? Uh, any, any, any opportunities you see for uh, for, for progress and decarbonization in the value chain?
2: So there is a mix. There is a mix of exciting and inspirational events at Adipec. One of them is a roundtable around Mitten that uh, I will have the privilege to be facilitating together with my colleague Simon. Uh, so it will be BCG in two other organisations. One of them is the United Nations Environmental Program, and the other one is the Oil and Gas Climate Initiative. Now, we will have in the roundtable a conversation around what is the urgency and what is the progress that we have made in abating, detecting, and measuring or methane uh, emissions in the industry, and also how two initiatives can actually help accelerate the action and the results. Those two initiatives are around, one, committing to an aiming for zero methane target that already we understand from the oil and gas climate initiative team, more than 50 CEOs have committed to. And the other one is the oil and gas methane partnership 2.0, which is increasingly becoming the benchmark for methane management and abatement excellence. That is one on as a part of the levers that I already mentioned are among the most mature and the most cost effective. And in addition to that, there is going to be plenty of sessions around the new technologies, the future, hydrogen, carbon capture, and anything that has low climate impact and an increasing role in accelerating or transition to next
0: It feels uh, in a way like it's going to be a, a really jam-packed schedule, doesn't it? I think there's going to be a lot of uh, dashing around the uh, the big ex- exhibition center. But uh, for, for now, for today, I'm afraid Sophie and Martha, our time has come. Uh, I'm going to have to stop us there. Thank you so much for, for sharing some of your thoughts. Um, I, I know we're all looking forward to, to pack at the end of the month. Thank you to our listeners as well. Please do, do let us know what you think about the ideas we've raised here. You can email loud at energyvoice.com. And if you would like to be part of the conversation and share your story with the energy industry, you can email out loud at energyvoice.com too. You may already know that each week the Energy Voice team get together to talk over the latest happenings. So please search for and subscribe to Energy Voice Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts. But for today, I've been Ed Reed. Thank you for listening.
2: Out Loud is the podcast from Energy Voice.